Life Audio. Welcome to the Jesus is All We Need podcast with me, your host, Jason Sotil. This is a show where we dig into the personal testimonies of people in the news, celebrities, and folks just like you and me in a way that will leave you encouraged. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of the Jesus is All We Need podcast. Today, we have an outstanding show for you guys. I am so excited to invite one of my good friends, pastor of a local church that we attend, and just all around a great guy, Pastor Lance Hahn. Lance, welcome to the Jesus is All We Need podcast. Ah, Jason, this is so awesome. I mean, being able to know you, know your heart, know what you do, and to know that I get a chance to join you on something like this, this is huge, man. I love it. Let's go. Well, let's go a little, let's go a little further because you know me a little deeper than most. You also know a lot of my messiness firsthand, okay? I'm, I'm a great projector of messiness, you know? So, so I appreciate you uh, not saying that, but I will put it out there also. Amen. Amen. We got to be real, right? <laughs> Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Lance, you know, how long have you been a pastor? Yeah, so I, um, at the current place that I'm at, I've been the pastor there going up on 26 years. Prior to that, I did a four-year-long home church ministry. So we're we're going around 30 years on that, but I ended up kind of teaching adults when I was 15. So we can go way way back, and then I did music ministry. I mean, I've I've been doing ministry since I was a kid, man. That's so awesome. And so you grew up in a faith-based home, right? A, a Christian home, if you will, correct? Totally did. Yeah. My uh, my parents were both Christians. Um, my dad was not living it, um, and my mom was. And she was kind of my spiritual role model. My dad ended up uh, separating from my mom at seven, and he was kind of on his own journey, kind of circling around. Praise the Lord. My brother and I got a chance to lead him back to the Lord um, much later in our lives. Um, and right. he, you know, I think all people are messy. I think every one of us is messy. And, um, but it was really neat to be a part of his journey. Uh, but he was not living it when I, when I was growing up. Right. And, and, he, and he's gone to be with the Lord now, correct? Yes, he has. Yeah. Yeah. He passed away a couple years ago. Okay. You know, so let me let me be very clear. I hated guys like you and I was growing up because I grew up the exact opposite. 
I was in a house where my dad called them stupid church people. And I'm not bashing my dad by means. It's just he is a non-Christian and you slow Sunday drivers preaching your little fairy tales and stuff drove him nuts and it embedded in me. And, and people know my story. A lot of folks know my story of coming to Christ at the age of 28 in a West Oakland firehouse and blah, 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 that kind of stuff. But when I hear stories like you, I love it because I love how stories like ours hit together and combined because here I was totally faithless for 28 years. So I love now going into that faithless realm, if you will, and talking to them. No, so I'm not saying preach to them because they're deaf, dude. When I, when someone came and preached me without gaining my trust, all I heard was blah, blah, you're going to hell, Jason. And I was like, bro, that's the last thing I want to hear because I don't like you first off. But right. to hear how you grew up in it and then to see the grace filled way that you create relationships, bond relationships, and even make relationships happen around you. It blesses me on so many levels. But why do you think it is you feel you're so called to, like, I call you the great bringing people together in this region and stuff. Why, why do you feel that's one of your callings? Yeah, so uh, a couple different pieces to that. Um, there's, there's kind of a, you know, I think some stories that culminate as to what kind of makes me who I am, right? Um, and we can get into those, but when it comes to like regional unity, I'm a huge proponent of not seeing church to church as competitive to see us as one big family. I'm always having other speakers come in from other churches speaking at, at you know, at Bridgeway, um, trying to make sure that, uh, everybody can celebrate everybody's wins and they can struggle with together when things are difficult. Right. Um, because I did not grow up in that environment. I grew up, uh, in an environment where it seemed like churches did not get along. Um, but I, I gotta tell you, it was really kind of God changing my heart on some stuff. I, when I was in, uh, most of my ministry, I was trying to keep my head down. I was trying to do what was in front of me. I've always had ministries that were very dynamic and growing and crazy. And I was just trying to keep my head above water. And it was not until another pastor actually took me out to lunch and talked me through the process of his heart for the region. And as I was talking to him, I didn't feel like I didn't feel anything in the moment, but the Holy Spirit used that moment to change my perspective that I used to believe there was a right way to do church. The minute you <laughs> believe there's a right way to do church means that everything else is the wrong way. And it puts right. you start you start trying to assess everyone else and judge everyone else, judge yourself in a really inappropriate way. And I realized, right. hold on a second, God's in charge of right. having, and he, diversity has always been the point, always been the right. point that he would reflect himself in so many different ways. So what one church is called to do, what one person is called to do, what one person's ministry is like, man, we should celebrate one another because right. uh, we need different. Right. I, I, I'm in total agreement with that because one of the words I hate or phrase I hate are those people because right. I've heard them my whole life. And, and you know, working in West Oakland and in diversity, and when people think diversity, the first thing you go to is skin color, things like that. And I go, dude, Oakland is so diverse socially, economically, religiously, just so many people come from all around the world there that, that it was like I came from a small town, Southern California, all white town. And I landed there and it wasn't culture shock. 
It was culture learn. The Lord yeah. put me there to just learn people to sit back and realize it's cool to be different. Kind of which it is so cool to be different, but to learn those differences and, and, and learn how sometimes maybe if we don't listen to other people, how we can inadvertently hurt them or right. hurt them on purpose too sometimes. You know? and, and so that's what I love about what you do with, with diversity and culture that you don't use a political phrase for it or any, you know, like, oh, it's the end term. You truly see it because in his likeness, when I see in his likeness and I look out, I see major diversity. Not that we have a diverse God. We have a holy, fully perfect God, but he created us so awesomely. And I just, I really appreciate that about your style and how you do things, man. So I wanted to throw that out. And one other thing I'm going to put out there is Speaking of giving different pastors a chance to speak, two weeks ago we were there, and I'm horrible with names, but the lady that was preaching, what was her name? Pastor Tamara Bennett. Oh, oh um, I'm going to say this respectfully. Holy, holy spirit, okay? I mean, I, I'm, I'm saying, you know me. I always try to say I lean more towards infallible words, so I dry up. Where sometimes people go so Holy Spirit, they blow up. You know, that's the thing my yeah. good friend Daniel Fusco once told me. I love that. I go so infallible, you're dry. Go all Holy Spirit, you kind of blow up. But when she preached the word and she was hitting, and I, she's not even looking down at, at the scripture. It was just coming her because she was so filling her heart with it. Bro, she blew me away, man. And, and it's things like that that I love as a pastor. You use your wisdom, discernment, and make sure that, you know, you, you keep everything safe, but you bring people on and let them put the message God put on their heart to us, man. So thank you for doing that. Oh, I appreciate that. I, you know, um, I wanted to bring some fire, right? And she brought some fire. And I, for example, we have a, a kind of a teaching team at the church. And one of the things we talk about behind the scenes I am not interested in anyone duplicating me. If they duplicate me, now all of a sudden there's no point. The point is to have fresh perspective. Right. The point is to have different perspective. The point is to bring a fresh revelation, fresh voice in there because there's right. so much more, right? And so bringing her in and a variety of different leaders from the outside is mm -hmm. hoping they will be different than me and we right. can be blessed. Right. No, that that's so good. You know, because like I say, you're always going to be teaching his perfect word. You're always teaching yes. it. So, but you know me just being an author, evangelist, and writer. I love testimony. It's it's just what I love people's testimonies because I can't fully memorize each verse of scripture. My brain isn't wired like that. But you give me what I'm reading. I can throw the meaning out there to you. I can get, you know, the the word, the page, even the chapter, if you will, to you. Unless we're in the Old Testament, and I'll hit that with you later on, okay? Because you're my Old Testament teacher through and through right there, man. How you do that, I don't know. I've got the New Testament, but when I need the Old Testament, I go to Lance on, that's for sure. But anyways, what is it about people's testimony you think that we just connect with? So and I, I have been consistently saying this. A testimony is better than any sermon, period. And the reason why I think is what we are looking for when we grow is anything we can grasp and get uh, traction on that is relatable. So if you're listening to a sermon, if you're listening to a song, you're waiting for something to click. You're waiting for something to be able to make sense to you, to resonate with you. When someone tells their personal story, it is grounded in real life. We're all in real life. 
So the minute someone is honest about their experiences, you say, listen, I didn't have their experience, but I live in a world similar to theirs. And therefore, everything they're preaching through their personal story, and I don't mean preaching in a negative way, I mean preaching in a beautiful right. way, yes. that when they are preaching their life story, you are seeing things come to life. You can role model it, you can see it, you can relate to it. And so I think I think that the very idea of us telling stories, not in a fake way, although I think that there's value in all kinds of stories. But what I'm oh, yeah. saying is that someone would be honest to tell, this is what happened to me. This is what God did in my life. When we share that kind of stuff, it cuts through all the garbage. It cuts through all right. the trappings and it dives heart to heart. I love it. Yeah, you nailed that. And, and so when someone tells me like, Jason, give your testimony, I'm like, which part? Which one? Right. <laughs> what do you want? You want the day I'm burned up in a fire in West Oakland and heaven and hell became real because my legs were burning and, and I was separated from God. And, you know, my beautiful wife or girlfriend at the time, Christy, was talking to me about the gospel and people were talking to me about the gospel. Do you want the moment it became real because it happened in a burning building in downtown Oakland? Or do you want the testimony where I cursed a pastor out of my firehouse after I came back from a double fatality fire? And people will say, where's the glory in God in that? And I say, because I can become, not fakely, but we are who we are of our past. We're becoming new. But I can reach back into the pain of my past still and say, I remember what it feels like to be empty, have that black hole inside of you, no matter what you threw into it, it would just get torn up, no matter what it was my prestigious career as a fireman, getting medals for rescuing people, helping people, nothing I could do made me feel better. And I just leave someone with that because I know that's the same darkness they're in and I'm being real. And then if you want me to go back later and cite about 50 passages of scripture to back up what I just did, I will. So I agree with you that on testimony. And that's why I saying, I love hearing stories of you as a child and teaching. And I also believe there's a punk rock band involved in there someplace, Lance. You want to go over that with me? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, for me, uh, man, between the ages of 13 and 21, life, uh, music was everything to me. I played in a speed metal band. Now, if you don't, if anybody doesn't know what that is, it's uh, so back in the day, it was called thrash metal. This is fantastic. Nobody yeah. cares about this anymore. Uh, we were Metallica, right. Slayer, but we actually played Christian lyrics with our music. What? And we had... Wait, 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 when you say back in the day, this was teen years, correct? Oh, yeah. This was teen up into 20, yeah. Wow, I bet the church really was receptive on that. Okay, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, no, they hated all of it. So uh, I was leading more people to the Lord than the churches were, and they weren't cool with it. Right. So it was... That's awesome. Yeah, that's um, cool. Sorry to cut you, know, you off there. So, how how long did you do that for? And and was it part of also while you were pastoring? Yeah. So, um, I first the first person uh, spiritually, first man that I looked up to was my brother in law, and he was in a Christian punk band. And I saw these men, young men. I mean, they were eighteen, nineteen, twenty, and twenty one. But when I was thirteen, I mean, they were the grown ups. And right. so I looked at them and they were bold for Jesus. And I saw them integrate that into something that I loved, which was music. So I duplicated that pattern, got into music. And I was, we were playing shows and signing autographs and CDs and traveling around the United States. And, and 
we had a no preach, no play rule. If you wouldn't let us preach the gospel, we're not playing the gig. And you have to remember, we played in Let's bars, go. clubs, everything. I mean, it was it was not like we were playing in churches. Churches didn't want us. Right. We were playing in clubs. Right. And so, right. you know, we'd have these, you know, people that were very uh, anti-Christian. They would come to our shows and throw stuff at. I mean, it was just like it's such an intense <laughs> environment but right. for me, I wanted to bring the gospel to people and not always expect them to come to me. I mean, we could spend episode after episode just pulling lessons that you have now that you take as a senior pastor, you know, and shepherding over just such a, an amazing amount of people, but also other pastors that you can teach things to. And, and every once in a while, a little jerk fireman comes by and, you know, throws some shots your ways, how you can handle guys like them, too, you know? <laughs> so, right, right. You know, but seriously, <laughs> that's so cool. Now, you know what I've also learned? Like, when I got, I always say thrown out of the fire department, but... The day I couldn't be a fireman anymore, I was a Christian. And I'll never forget the day the doctor walked in there and said, Jason, you can't be a fireman anymore. Dude, mm -hmm. it was the worst day of my life. And I, I, I hated it. But now looking back upon it, kind of like with your time, the things that you learn, because now I see how much I idolized the job. Because I, I, I was like, that's all I've been since the age of 18. All I've been is a fireman. It's all I know. It's how I'm going to feed my family. I'm going to be a nothing now. I didn't even grab. I mean, I dropped out of high school in the 10th grade. And looking back on now, I'm like, wow, what an idolizer I was at the time, even though I was preaching the gospel and stuff. You know, so it's so cool how we can just use crazy times in our life to bless people where we are now. You know, I, so in a similar way, that band's era uh, ended because I was removed from my own band. It was a big breakup of bad feelings and hurt and pain. And at that time, I thought, you know, God, why would you let this happen? We're trying to promote you. We're trying to do good things. And it's kind of like, you know, whether an athlete blows out a knee or a doctor comes to you and says, you can't be a firefighter anymore. When, when we have these experiences, whether we idolize it or not, we're in these crushing environments and we think, well, then right. what, who am I? What, what can I do now? And I just want to encourage all of your listeners. Uh, I just want to say, listen, God is so brilliantly creative. He knows your next. You don't know your next. Right. He knows your next. And when you're going to look back on it, you're going to see the hand of his blessing that is going to walk you from that darkness into some new light. So just an encouragement. Amen, brother. I appreciate that. Now, going along with that, if you don't mind me talking, because you, I mean, you've written a book on it and stuff, dealing with anxiety and mental health issues in general and stuff, how does that sometimes affect you personally, if you will? I mean, go as deep as you want or as shallow as you want. I really don't care. So, but dealing yeah. with... I, I honestly, I can I tell you right now, I don't, I don't know how to do shallow super well, so I, I, I kind of go deep on this one. So I, I was... Uh, I started manifesting anxiety uh, issues when I was six years old. So back then, I mean, we're going back into, let's see, I was born in 1971, the last day of 1971. So let's say 72, we're in 78. Back in 78, there was no discussions about panic attacks. There was no discussions about panic disorder. And so as a child, my parents didn't know what to do with me. I would have choking fits. Mm -hmm. I, would, I couldn't go to the store. I couldn't go to the movies. I couldn't go to the mall. I couldn't be around other people at times. And it would fluctuate. 
it seemed rather random. And um, it was not until I was 25, 26, uh, I'd probably say 24, 25, that I actually had a doctor walk me into a process of going, well, I don't know, maybe it could be panic disorder. Um, And my whole life has been kind of that, um, what's happening to me? Uh, Is this normal? I think everybody in life feels like they're the only one. And so one of my hashtags I had when I was writing my first book was you're not alone. I, I really want people to understand you're not alone out there. Whatever experience you're going through, there are a lot of us out there. And even to this day, I've taken meds for the last, what, 25 years and every day still do. And I've done every healthy thing. I'm in the gym. I watch my diet. I mean, I do everything possible. Watch my right. sleep. I watch my inputs. Right. I'm not a workaholic. And mm-hmm. and so when I when Liar, you do you're a workaholic, but anyways, yeah, you. totally. Well, I, then again, I should probably not say that so quickly. I, maybe I'm just playing with you. How would I know? Um, but what ends up happening is when you realize that it's actually a chemical issue, and you realize there's a chemical dump happening in your body you then have to steward it properly. And so the big things for me is that it doesn't define me. It is something I struggle with. And it still affects me to this day. There will be times when I'm waiting on that curtain to walk out onto that stage and something begins to trigger. I write down what was my last, my last panic attack happened when I was with a buddy just chilling in Vegas. We were having dinner. Mm -hmm. It was just me and him trying to have a fun night. And right. nope, I had it just sitting there. There was nobody else in the restaurant with us. It was totally peaceful. Mm-hmm. My brain spazzed out. And so right. it has made me unavailable at times emotionally for mm-hmm. my family to be there present, mm-hmm. you know, and it steals a lot from me. But the reality is, is that if God really needed me on, he would give me an opportunity and a grace to do it. He doesn't need me on all the time. And so right. being able to say, listen, I'm a broken individual. So what? We all are. Let's roll. Right. We can do right. this. Right. No, I, I love that transparency because like I said, I struggle with the, when, when I say struggle, it's so different. Like I truly believe God's given us everything we need to make our way through. I'm a true believer in that. Right. But when I talk about like PTSD or PTSD, people always want to say, oh, it's, it's an injury. It's I'm like, shut up. It's just trauma. Trauma hurts and pain sucks. Okay. So, so I, I don't put names on it exact because what I have found, especially ever since I wrote my book is people come out of the wood where you're like, oh, you're a pro on PTSD. And I'm like, actually, I'm not because my PTSD is a little different that I tried to fill make all my badness of my past go away with being a firefighter and responding to the needs of others. And it never worked. And it actually almost killed me and stuff. And it, and it wasn't until, you know, holy and fully faith in Christ walking with them that I felt the fullness of people like, dude, so the day you became a Christian, everything's all better. Right. And I'm like, no, <laughs> there are still days. It sucks. And people need to hear that. They need mm-hmm. to hear that it flat sucks some days because some days I know now how to watch the, Today's not a good day for Jason to go speaking. <laughs> you know, it's probably just best for me to sit with the Lord, sit with my family, talk with my elders and work my way through because that's what has worked for me. 
I once tried meds for depression and bro, they made me dead to the world. And Christy was like, yeah, let's maybe try something different. They're not that I'm standing against some vitamins, but for me personally, chemically, That's what right. was going on with me, it didn't work. So I love your transparency on putting that out there because I sometimes think we say, oh, let's release the stigma. Well, I, it, feels, it sounds kind of weird to me as a fireman. That's a weird thing for me. I'm more of like, a, yo, bro, let's get you through this. You know, I'm, I'm not going to say I've walked through what you've been through, but I think some of my circumstances might resonate with you. Yep. And let's see what we can do here. You know, it's just the way I talk. And so your transparency is awesome. But let's be awesome. Transparent can also hurt at times. And my guess is it can catch you in the gut every once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what I've always tried to teach uh, those around me and really try to live by is I want to be as transparent as is beneficial. So not everybody can receive transparency in every area. And so if I'm Ooh. just trying to unload on everybody and I'm just, and, and it's too much for them to carry, it's actually not a blessing at all. It, it ends up becoming a problem. Right. Some people will be mean and they'll say, I'm just being honest. Hold on a second. If your transparency is not blessing those around you, it may not be the right. best option, right? Best environment. And right. so that is and, so and always, good. You know, I've told um, people, I may be kind of hard, but maybe an example for people and stuff, if you would, wouldn't mind throwing out there and stuff, an example where transparency could burden people. I mean, I love where we're going here. Yeah. So for example, there will be um, a situation in a lot of marriages where we want our spouse to carry way too many roles. We want them to also be our therapist. So what we end up doing is we dump on them and talk about, well, here's what I don't like about you. Here's what I, here's what I struggle about. You know, I'm, I'm really attracted to our neighbor. I'm done, you know, and when you're dumping all that stuff, it usually means you don't have right. a, a confidant. You don't have a safe place of somebody that maybe you're same, uh, in your same place of life or what have you that mm -hmm. can be safe to talk to. And you just start right. dumping or else there will Love be that. times when, when you will, um, somebody will say, you know, man, I'm really struggling about this. And you'll say, yeah, well, that shouldn't bother you. That didn't bother me. You know, hold on a second. I hate that. <laughs> like, stop doing that. And so right. I feel like once, if we have humility, and remember, humility doesn't mean thinking less of yourself. It means thinking less about yourself. Mm -hmm. When... I teach confident humility. Confident humility is you should be pretty impressed with what God did with you. You're pretty amazing. Right. You're, you're, you rock. But here's the reality. It's not about you. And so right. if we can move on from that and be able to say, listen, if I'm always dumping about me, it's always about me, 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 we got something wrong. And so I right. want to be as transparent as is a blessing. And if I need to share for me, I need to have a safe place to do that. Right. I like it. And, you know, I was talking about this not too long ago. I was blessed to speak at this convention. And it was talking, the, the topic, I kind of come up with last minute topics sometimes. And this one was basically, stop saying, I know how you feel. Okay. Oh. Because it, it, saying, I know how you feel. I, I just think it takes the grace away. You know, it's like pour the grace out. And the explanation I give, you know me, I like to go hardcore sometimes. And I was like, when I was 14, I was had second and third degree burns over 40% of my body from a boat that exploded on us. And it hurt so bad. I mean, the pain, I, I can't even experience pain. Fast forward 20 years, we pull someone out of a fire and they're shaking and they're hurting and they're, they're yelling, help me and stuff. 
it hit me right then, just a scriptural message, as whack as it sounds on a fire, a third alarm fire in downtown Oakland, was just being a strong voice of encouragement, saying, I'm going to get you some pain relief. Meanwhile, I'm working behind the scenes getting IV so I can just pump them full of morphine. But there was a party on to say, I know how you feel. But instead of saying that, I use that to try to help them. Pain hurts. Those burns hurt. I don't need to say it feels like your skin's been cheese grated off and wasps are stinging you inside. They're feeling that at the time. My job is to fall back into my own pain and bless others with it. And what I have found is I don't ever want to put a weight on people like they feel they need to go and help everyone with their, their pain that they've been through because maybe they haven't. The Lord doesn't have a place where they're ready to do that. But I tell people, if you are and you can dabble in it and try to use some of the pain in your past to bless other people, it's almost like, wow, that's why God didn't rescue me out of that. And he let me walk through that because I remember many a nights of me praying, God, just take me out of this abusive house I was growing up in. And, and he didn't. Well, even though I didn't believe in God at the time, I find myself more I look back into it, praying and stuff. But I just really think we can use so many of our circumstances to help as opposed to saying, I know how you feel. Christy's mom just passed away and people, oh, I know how you feel. And meanwhile, I see a hurting wife and I've never lost a parent. You know what I mean? So I, I appreciate that too, how, how you encourage people on that, man. It's so big. What I think was so powerful about what you were just saying is you demonstrated that you know how they feel by meeting the needs that you know they have. Other people on the outside may not understand the, the details of the need. And so you can use your prior experience without having to say it. Because honestly, when you say that, it only makes you feel better. It doesn't make them feel better. Right. I know how you feel. It's actually demeaning because it says, hey, right. since I've walked through that, it shouldn't be as big of a deal for you. And you go, this is the first time I'm going right. through it. This matters to me. I don't need to hear it from you. But when you can use right. your prior experience and parlay it into actually answering even needs they can't voice yet, you're demonstrating you do know what they're going through. If, because you had been right. burned, you're going to minister in a way that right. other paramedics are not because they're not thinking of the detail, right? And when you begin right. to say soothing words of saying, um, hey, I need you to encourage you, it won't always feel like this. It won't always hurt. It won't always hurt. You know, and just even being able to be a voice of reason because you go, man, when I'm panicking and I'm burned, I can't even see anything but this. I don't want to think any bigger. Right. When you can enter into their pain because you've been there before, man, that is a gift from God. It is. And, and that's what I love and, and something I've learned to work on because, you know, when when. <laughs> I came into ministry. I came in like a fireman kicking doors. I'm going to, I'm going to change the world, you know? And oh my gosh, then I, I found this, this thing called reformed theology. And I'll tell you what, I'm sorry, people are going to beat me up. Reformed theologists, just stay quiet for about four years after you learn that stuff. Okay. I'm not joking. But, you know, moving forward into ministry, I try to take some of that with me that in the moments of calamity, a calm voice reassuring you is so good. And I think about that of, you know, when, when this world feels hopeless, we have that calm voice of perfect reassurance being poured from God to us saying, you're going to be okay. And it's a little thing I call hope. And it's just something I love to leave people with. And it's something you do, but you do on a level that you also get to teach it, which is so awesome, man. So uh, that's so good. Hey, Lance, 
Bro, I know for a fact I'm going to bring you back on because there's so much that that we could go over and so much we can talk about, but you're a busy man and I don't want to take up too much of your time. But before we bounce, I'm giving the mic to you. What message do you just want to leave the Jesus is all we need podcast audience with before we bounce out? Yeah, I want to say that he understands you in ways that you are still discovering about you. And and I just want to encourage you that he's not afraid of what you're afraid of. He knows how to get out of where you're at. There is no pit that he cannot reach into. And I feel like sometimes we forget that we serve a warrior God. That many times we think that the enemy or our problems are bigger than our savior or our solution, and they're simply not. So my encouragement to you is that what you're walking through, what God really wants you to be is the fullest version of who he built you to be. And he knows what that is. It's going to have ups. It's going to have downs. It's going to have pain and it's going to have confusion, but you don't have to be in charge if the one who is in charge is good and has your best interest in mind. So I I just want to encourage you. There's a reason why you're listening to this right now. There's a reason why you're getting this infusion of hope into your spirit. And so from Jason and I, we just got to say, we are living testimony that imperfect people can serve an extraordinary God. And we are always surprised at how much he loves us and how creatively capable he is. Wow. Okay. This is the part where I usually say, hey, Lance, tell people where they can go more. But after something like that, we're not going there, dude. It's going to be in the notes. Okay, bro. It's like, oh, you can find my book here. You can hear my messages here. I'm not going there after that, man. That was mic drop on the hope chart right there. Um, but bro, I will put it in the notes because I do want people to, to hear more of your messages and the stuff God's put on your heart. Check your books out and different writings that you've been on, man. But anyways, brother, super love you. Super appreciate you for coming on, man. I hope you found this episode as encouraging as I did. Be sure to click the like, subscribe, or whatever button you see that will notify you of future shows because we have some awesome guests lined up that you're not going to want to miss. Until next week, remember this, my friends. Jesus is all we need. I love you guys. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you will find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. So head on over to lifeaudio.com and check them out. Feeling stressed? Let's take better care of you. I'm Bonnie Gray, the host of Breathe, the Stress Less Podcast. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.